Hi, everybody, and welcome to Author Boost. This event tonight is sponsored by HCI Books and the Best Ever You Network. I'm really grateful that uh, you're all here with us. I'm Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, here with Christine Bellaris and Lindsay Mock. And uh, we are here tonight. We're going to go from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can join us. You can type in questions. Uh, anything you guys want to ask about becoming an author, or being an author already and giving your book a boost. This conference is for authors of all levels, all wannabe authors. And um, this is a round table. So it's a round table discussion. So if you hear us chat amongst each other or ruffle, you know, move papers around, shuffle papers, talk about this is totally um, sort of informal, like a candid discussion. Hello, people are going to join us in the chat and talk to us. If you have questions, type them in. Uh, but it's a nuts and bolts candid conversation about being an author from book concept, from I've got an idea, I want to write a book, to I've got a proposal written, I've got a book written, <laughs> whatever it is, to marketing and your finished product. We've got all the information for you to be successful here. So tonight we have, we're going to be chatting with executives from HCI Books. We're so blessed to have their time and energy. Uh, we have Christine Bellaris, we have Lindsay Mock, and we're going to have Christian Blanchine be joining us as well at 8.30. Christine's going to go first, followed by Lindsay. Lindsay and I may stretch a little bit <laughs> to get to Christian at 8.30. We aren't sure how, how much time we've got here. But um, if you've got anything that you want to know or ask, just type that right into the chat um, and we'll answer your questions. So tonight we've got Christine Bellaris first. She is the editorial director at Health Communications. We also call them HCI Books. You can go to hcibooks.com for more information. Again, we also have Christian Blanchine, who is the vice president and oversees acquisitions and day-to-day -day operations. And then we have the beautiful Lindsay Mock with us. <laughs> Hi, Lindsay. Um, Lindsay is PR and marketing, and um, she's marketing PR and marketing director for HCI. And um, we're so glad to see everybody smiling, everybody relatively healthy. I know Christine, <laughs> there's that beautiful smile. Um, Christine does not feel so great, right, Christine? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the what happened part is kind of a cool story in a way. I know you're ending up maybe with COVID, I'm not sure, but tell us about how you how you came about to be ill. not feeling so well. Well, my kids are 22 and 24. My daughter just graduated from American University, and my son, you know, is a few years ahead of her, and they decided you know, about a year ago, you know, we want to go to Europe. We'll, we'll never have this chance again. So yeah. they planned this epic backpacking trip across Europe that started in September. And they just came home uh, last week on Tuesday. But they brought, you know, a little something extra with them. It's like they started. <laughs> so I gave them a COVID test and um, surprise it was positive so well, all yeah, the joys huh well yeah. I, I hope everybody's safe through covid and uh everybody gets to feeling better pretty pretty soon at least and and um thank you for being here with us oh, um and you. your time Andrea. i know you don't feel so great so we're we're glad that you're here um so i'm elizabeth i'm the founder of the best ever you network and the best ever you show 
Uh, we've got uh, over 600 guests and many of the downloads over there. This is part of the Best Ever You Show. This show will go up on YouTube and the audio will go over onto the Best Ever You Show and things like that. I'm a master life coach and author of eight books, including one with HCI. <laughs> I love my book with you guys. Thank you so much. Um, it's we've got one more coming. Yes, and one more coming in 2024, right? Yeah, uh, it's hard to I never know that. if I'm allowed to say the title. It's off a little bit, but yeah, here's the change guidebook. Everybody knows that one. Yay! Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's beautiful. Thank you so much for, for my book that was published in April. So see you guys, you can do it. You can, you really can do it. I, I promise you, if I can do it, you can do it. Um, that's my new saying. If she can do it, I can, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. If I can do it, you can do it. So Christine, let's start with you. Um Again, thank you for being here. And uh, if, you guys, if you guys have questions for Christine, um, let us know. Lindsay, feel free to, you know, chime in if you need to or whatever. But um, Christine, um, again, great to have you here. You're the editorial director at HCI. So let's maybe start this discussion with what that is even. What, what does that mean? What do you do? I basically take the, you know, books from an idea to the finished product. So, you know, I don't print them, but up to the bound books, the pre-press bound book stage. So, you know, when proposals come in, I'll, uh, you know, look through the, the proposals that come in and we evaluate them to see if they're marketable and publishable. Um, you know, we have a group of people that do that, though. Uh, we have an editorial committee. So, you know, as a group, we'll decide what to do. But um, we have another editor also, Darcy, and she and I, you know, are the first people to to look through the proposals that come in and then decide if, um, you know, they're worthy of going to the editorial committee. And then we decided as a, as a group, you know, whether uh, we should go to the next stage, the publishing stage. So once that happens, um, you know, I'll work with authors and um, also literary agents, you know, contracting the, the books, you know, the business end of it, though, you know, that's just a small part of my job. Um, and then I uh, basically do develop, developmental editing on the on the books. So we you know, work with the authors on, you know, really reinforcing the book and bringing it up to you know, that be the best that it can be. <laughs> uh, uh, we also write the market. I write the marketing copy that uh, goes on our, our portal. So anything that you see online on Amazon or BN.com, um, you know, that's something that I would actually write, yeah. uh, you know, upload. Um, we have um, also uh, outside people contract editors and proofreaders. So I, uh, you know, oversee them on the specific projects. Um, I work with the our art director on kind of conceptualizing the covers. So, you know, I'm not an artist. I don't pretend to be one. <laughs> but, you know, authors have, we, we value authors' input and ideas. I mean, we view this as a creative collaborative process. Um, you know, we want authors to be happy with their cover and a cover really does tell you what the book is about. So, you know, actually, we'll get the idea together and, you know, give them to our art director and kind of work through that process. Um, and then I write the back. That was back fun. Too. 
Yeah, yeah let, me, let me go to the cover, stop for the, at the cover for a second, and we'll uh -huh. go to the back cover for a second. Somebody's saying, I always appreciate when the team values author input. So that's a comment that we just got, because that was huge. That was so much fun working with you guys on, you know, making the book. And and I had never had that before, you know, it's just like, here, you know, here's what we're going to do, and here it goes. And that was so neat, because I know the art direction came back with like, I think four different covers for us mm -hmm. to choose from and actually printed them out and put them out, put them around actual books so I could look at it and see what they look like and yeah. threw it out into social media to see what they look like. I asked my mom, my kids, my husband, you know, and it, was, it was really cool to get the feedback on the different covers. So like when you're a cover, everybody loves the you know covers of books, but it's not just like, oh, here's your cover. It's you come back with like choices. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, well, we think it's important that you, like, if you don't like the cover of your own book, you know, how <laughs> how enthusiastic are you going to be about promoting it? We want you to be happy. So, yeah, yeah that's why we, you know, at our company, we involve authors at every step of the, the process. So, yeah. you know, I have an author, I'm working with him now on the developmental edits. And, you know, um, he said, I just, this some of these changes don't sound like me. So, you know, I allow him to, okay, reject the changes I made. I want, want this to be in your voice. And he has a very specific voice. So, you know, mm -hmm. I understand when I might overstep. I'm, I'm not a dictator. <laughs> so keep going about the back cover. Cause I know I, I was asking about the, I stopped you at the cover. Now, what about the back cover? Is that as important as the cover itself? Oh, sure. Because, you know, that's what people are going to be using to purchase the book, you know, whether they're in the bookstore or online, you know, so many books are purchased online, but so it's the same kind of thing. So you've got a few minutes, you know, if you're standing in the bookstore as a reader to flip the cover over and read what this book is about. So, you know, it's marketing copy, basically. But I like that part. You know, I think we all editors enjoy writing, too. Yeah. What's the difference? Um, we have a question. What's the difference between an editor and a proofreader? Is there a difference? So, yeah, an editor will make more substantive changes, you know, changes to uh, not only to grammar and punctuation, but structure. And, you know, they might say, I don't understand what this means, what you just said. And I think you should say it this way. I mean, I like to tell my authors that editors are really readers who can ask questions. Oh, that's a good, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good yeah, point. And what about a proofreader? Many times have you been reading a book and say, well, what does this mean? Or I don't understand this. So we try to head that off at the pass if possible. Yeah. And um, so a proofreader would really be looking for, um, you know, errors in grammar and punctuation and then uh, style things too. So our, we hire proofreaders after the book is typeset. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, they might like the running heads at the top of the the book, um, you know, at that sometimes those are wrong. You know, they look for things like that, too, yeah. or pa uh, pagination, um, or if you have cross references in a book, you know, so, see page 25, and it's really not on 25. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. stuff yeah. like that, yeah, that, like an index type thing, or, or a, even like a table of contents. Even right. Yeah. We, we try not to paginate the book within the table of contents till the end because things change. Yeah. And then and indexing, too. We can't we don't index very many of our books. But when we do, you know, obviously you have to wait 
till you're sure nothing's going to roll. Although sometimes, you know, we do have something happened and, oh, I've got to take these five pages out, but we've already indexed the book. I had that happen this summer. Yeah. So I had to go through and find all those pages that changed and make sure they were correct. That's a lot of work. Lindsay, yeah. I have a question for you. Um, the second that book comes into HCI and you know you're going to get, you know, you have your book published and it's coming out in like 2024, 2023. Are you involved? Um, so once the authors come in and start working with us, they're primarily working with Christine, like on the editorial process of getting the book, you know, published. Um, but that being said, I do, you know, start meeting with authors and start planning and just get an idea of things that they had in mind for, you know, book publicity and marketing. And then just to give them kind of an overview of what we do at HCI so that they can start thinking about it. But primarily, um, you know, their focus is still on actually like, you know, getting the book, as Christine mentioned, edited, you know, going back and forth with the editor, um, reviewing page proofs and all that coming up with the cover. But you know, it's coming your way. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I do get, I'm lucky I do get to give input on the covers, which is fun. Oh, that was, I I love that with you. I'm like, which one should we do, Liz? <laughs> Super fun. Um, okay. So you mentioned, I'm going to go back a little bit and I'm going to ask you just a series of questions that we've yeah. sort of prepared for this. I think they're common questions that people would ask. Mm -hmm. And again, to those listening, if you want to ask a question, just type it on into the chat and we'll ask it to Christine and Lindsay. Um, so you mentioned agent. What is an agent and how do I get one? <laughs> Again, I'm going to ask the $4,000 question. I mean, because it could be, uh, yeah, they're literary agents. So there are people who, um, you know, take books and then try to find publishers for the authors. Um, and they do take a cut of the proceeds, but, um, you know, they're good at finding the publishers. So it can be as hard to find a good agent as it is to find a publisher. I know the bigger houses require um, agented proposals. They won't look at something that's not agented because they want, you know, the higher level of higher quality products. Mm -hmm. So usually that's the case and, and good agents will work with the author on the proposal before it even comes to us. So, you know, they help you structure the proposal and make sure you've got all the, you know, the pieces in place to make a good proposal because, um, you know, authors don't send an entire book in usually. It's a couple of sample chapters and, you know, a marketing study. So, you know, a, yeah, you list uh, the, the market and how you're going, how your book differs and what the other products are out there and how your book differs. So an agent will work, you know, with you on that, with an author on that part of the proposal. So an author just doesn't say, hey, I've got an idea for the book. Here's the title. And would you like to publish this? <laughs> yeah, well, after, you know, oftentimes, though, once we know somebody, we, we can go to that stage. But yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. The, the agent will will help pull all those pieces together initially. Can now what tell me tell us a little bit more about the proposal. Like if you uh, actually I have another question, too. If you already have a book. And you're like, oh, I want I've self-published this book, but I want to traditionally publish this book now. Is that a thing? Yeah, people have done that, but that can be difficult because um, our customers, the booksellers, 
um, look at an author's track record. So they want to see how books sold before. Um, and self-published books generally don't sell as well because you just, you know, authors just don't have that reach in the market. Yeah. So yeah, that, that can be difficult. Okay. And so it's, is it best to maybe leave that book alone and think about, okay, I'm going to do a new one and here's a new proposal and things like that and shop around a new book idea and a new proposal. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you could even revise what you already had. Yeah. It kind of depends on the the numbers. (laughs) Okay. And, and tell us again, what a book proposal is like, what's just one more round of like what a book proposal is again and what's maybe in that. Yeah. Yeah. If you know, if you go on our website, we actually list what, what we require in a book proposal, but essentially it's an overview of the, the book. Um, and then a couple of sample chapters. So maybe an introduction and two sample chapters. Um, and then a listing of, you know, the market. So who do you see as the market for this book? Is it, you know, women over 50? And how are you going to reach them? And and what other books um, out there are kind of like your book? But then how does your book differ from those books? You know, you're always, we're always looking for something new and different. Yeah. You know, which can be difficult. You know, is there anything new that's been written out there? I don't know. <laughs> but there are new authors. Yeah, this is your yeah. slate on it. And yeah. self-help, we do self-help primarily, and it's a very crowded, competitive market. It sure is. Yeah. We have a question for you. Um, it, it's a cool market, though. I, you know, you get to know your, you know, you get to know your author peers and the other publishers and things like that. It's a, it's a tight knit kind of group, as competitive as it is in a, in a way. It's, it's interesting. Everybody kind of knows each other, and you go on each other's podcasts and stuff like that. So it's pretty fun, and that probably happens in most industries. You get to know everybody. You have a question from um, someone: Does the author come up with the title for their book, or does their agent or publisher, or all three collectively, come up with the title? Um, it can be all three collectively, like an author might have a, come in with a title and then we decide, you know, this really isn't going to work. So, um, you know, we'll keep refining that process. And then sometimes, I mean, we'll have the title for the book and we'll have the cover and we present our uh, products to our sales team. Um, and they'll tell us, well, you know, this isn't going to work <laughs> for these reasons. So you need to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> and we don't like to hear that, but. It's yeah. happened before. Somebody says, "I love that." Thank you. Um, what about <laughs> the, what about the tagline for the book, or or the you know the 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 second part of the book? So, like for example, the change guidebook, and then the second part is how to align your heart, truth, and energy to find success in all areas of your life. Who comes up with that part? Um, that, again, that's a collaborative <laughs> process. <Yeah. laughs> but you know, you can you could go on forever with that subtitle, but that usually really explains it. So the title grabs. We want the title to grab the reader and the subtitle to explain. Now, is that unique to nonfiction books? It seems like it is where it has kind of two things working or is because most children's books you see, you know, just the title. Yeah, I think that is, you know, more specific to nonfiction. Yeah. Okay. Um, And which part sells the book? Is it the the first part or the second part? That is it the (laughs) or both? I don't know. I think they have to work together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I, and people are like, yeah, they you love collaborations. Yeah, I do too. I, I Collaborating is my favorite word, I think. Compassion or collaboration, I go back and forth between which one's my favorite word, but collaborating. And the one thing that a lot of people don't realize is um, titles are not copyrightable, you know, unless it's a trademarked um, I didn't know, you know that. Title. Like chicken's chicken soup for the soul was a an, uh, a trademark um, title because it was a an entity of business. But otherwise, books can have the same title. So you know we like to have a title that's unique, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Well, you brought up chicken soup for the soul. So do you want to talk about that book a little bit? That's a pretty interesting brand trademark books, everything. Do you want to, do you want to take that a little bit or? Oh, sure. I mean, we were the original publisher of that series and um, I started at HCI right after the first one um, and stayed. Um, I was, you know, then stayed for 10 years and then left for 10 years when my kids were little and then came back. But, you know, we had I no idea. I think that it was going to be as successful as it was, but yeah. Um, yeah, it just exploded. I mean, we had started out um, publishing recovery books. So, you know, books for people in dysfunctional families, systems. We published John Bradshaw's early books. He had a big PBS series. And Janet Whitetz, who really did have a truly unique book, Adult Children of Alcoholics. You know, that's, uh, you know, something that nobody had identified before. Um, and that you know, launched us in this one direction. We, we carved a niche out, you know, as yeah. a publisher of recovery books, because we're, you know, small house in Florida. So, you know, usually uh, publishing houses are on the coast or, you know, or maybe in Chicago, but, um, but then, you know, that market became saturated because the other publishers saw, well, you know, this is working <laughs> for these people. So <laughs> everybody chases that golden yeah. ring so or brass ring is that it? whatever uh, either one both. Yeah. <laughs> platinum whatever it is yeah. <laughs> yeah um you you have another question going back to the covers um what are your thoughts on building a certain cover look for authors with multiple books should each book cover should each book cover be somewhat um sorry should each book cover somewhat resemble the rest to maintain continuity and familiarity around, among the readers great question yeah, that is a good question. And I think that, you know, it depends on the, you want the a book series to be successful. So yeah, I think if you were successful with that first book, you'd want to play off that, um, yeah. you know, by, um, you know, finding a look then for subsequent books. Good. Yeah. Great question. That was Jennifer Vaughn. Thank you, Jennifer Vaughn. That's a fiction. She's a great fiction writer and a news anchor um, in New Hampshire. She's a lovely, lovely friend of mine. She has the best questions and she's an incredible editor as well. So to all of you who need books edited or whatever, <laughs> is there. Um, all right. Let's go down to, let's see. Uh, we, we talked about who edits what I've written. Do you think people get caught up in editing their own work to make it like completely perfect before it even sees you? Um, and does it have to be? I mean, uh, I mean, they, authors should make a book as clean as possible before it yeah. gets to us. You know, I, they shouldn't wait and have us do it. And yeah. a lot of authors actually will hire somebody before a book comes to us. And that's not a bad idea. Yeah. 
because everybody sees something different. That's when, um, you know, I, as I said earlier, we have a, I do a developmental edit and it goes back to the author. Then the book will come back and we send it to a copy editor who will see, you know, different things that maybe I didn't see. <laughs> um, and then we have two proofreaders at two different stages and they see different things too. Everybody, you know, sees different things. So you want to have as many eyes on a project as you can. Yeah. And you, yeah. yeah. The, the worst thing is to have the book on press and the pressman says, oh, I found this error. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's brutal. Yeah. What about traditionally? Uh, what about in self-publishing? Uh, mm -hmm. Could you talk about that? If you're self-publishing a book, do you still need to edit your book? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. You want to make the book as, as good as possible, yeah. as readable as possible. Because you have, you know, a self-published author has, um, you know, a, a higher hill to climb. <laughs> yeah, with all the different things, right? You've got your, you've got it. The same thing as a traditional published author, but no, potentially no team behind you unless you hire the team. Right. Which would be the proofreader, the editor, the copywriter, the cover design, the layout of the book, like the structure mm -hmm. of the book. I think sometimes when you open up a self-published book, you can tell the interior hasn't been designed. The mm -hmm. font might be off or, or the pages don't break right or whatever. So all of those details are just as important to have a successful self-published book as well. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, with our covers, our um, graphic designer uses all the fonts and the look from the uh, cover of the book inside because you want that seamless transition. And you often notice in self-published books, you know, you don't often see that. Yeah. What's uh, we have another question here coming coming in? What's hybrid uh, publishing? What does that mean? I think um, I don't know if you could talk more about this, Lindsay. Um, but I think, yeah, it's a, it's a cross it's between. A combination. Yeah. Two, yeah, a combination, I think. Um, Where you're pay, maybe paying to have people publish and things like that. Right. Okay. Right. That's my understanding of it is that it's like, you're, it's kind of a collaboration between a publisher and an author, but they're, the author's paying into the project or yeah. some type okay. of arrangement. Yes. And they have different models. I'm going to buy into menu A and I get, yeah. you know. All, all these things. things. Yeah. All right. We'll ask Christian more about that. We'll, we'll move that question over into his, into his court. Um, what about, um, talk about, talk more about the various roles from the second, like the, the, the process in terms of like what happens when with a book, like here's my idea and proposal, then what happens as an author? Mm -hmm. like what yeah. So. And what's the timeline? I know, I know one of the things that, um, when I was working with you on the change guidebook, I was um, really, I thought it was really cool how you had everything planned out. And you're like, you know, if we, if we get the final edits done here, the book will come out on this date. And it's, it, and you're talking like maybe a year or two. It, can you talk about the yeah, time we, frame? We don't go out two years, but yeah, some yeah. bigger publishers do. Yeah. Um, and it's usually a year. Um, yeah. If we have nine months, that's good. But you have to do all of this marketing work in advance. So you have to get a description of the book online, you know, pretty far in advance, um, you know, and then and the cover also. 
So yeah, then you start working on the developmental edits. So, and that, that can be a, like a month long process. And then we usually give our copy editors three weeks to a month, um, you know, and then you have to do a typesetting design sample, which we let our authors, you know, pick and choose also with that. Um, so that takes a little more time and it's all these steps. Then you have the proofread, two proofreading stages where it goes to an outside proofreader. So that's, you know, a week to two weeks, um, you know, and we give authors the opportunity to also, you know, proofread the book too, to make sure, you know, we didn't miss anything. Yeah. So that's why it takes so long. Then you have to back up because it goes to a, a printer and we're not in charge of that. Um, that's like 10 to 12 weeks in advance of the on sale date. Okay. Yeah. So like yeah. If, if my book is coming out in like, let's say April, when's the book, like if you back that up, when's, when am I done writing that book and just sort of like, then I move over to Lindsay and like, let's market it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, so you'd want to have it to us. We like nine months. Yeah. Really, yeah. Six, to, six months is the shortest, but usually nine months. Yeah. What is pre-ordering? What does pre-ordering mean? That's, um, you know, readers can go before the book is on actually on sale and place orders. And so, you know, that's good because... A, a retailer might, if they see a lot of pre-orders coming in, they might order more copies for at the store level. Yeah. I had a really nice landing, uh, you know, runway there before the book came out live. I was really happy with the pre-order link. It was like, okay, I got some time here to breathe and think and so forth. Um, to, yeah, Elizabeth, yeah, Elizabeth and I worked on pre-orders for, you had a really long long time to work on them. So that was great. Yeah. Well, it was good to get the community going again. You know, it's like, okay, here's a new book and get everybody re-engaged <coughs> and so forth. Well, and, and Lindsay, do you want to talk about that a little bit about like how important those pre-orders are? Yeah. And as far as, um, you know, I know I mentioned before that, you know, I'm not working with authors kind of right out of the gate on things, but, you know, once that book is available for pre-order online, um, you know, where the pre-order can be taken, which isn't right away, you know, once the manuscript comes in usually. Um, you know, I start working with authors, like giving them ideas of how they can generate pre-orders using their author platforms, which we'll talk about later tonight. Um, you know, social media, mailing lists, different things like that. And I provide them with tools that they can use and, yeah, just help them brainstorm so that they can start generating some more pre-orders. Yeah. It's noisy out there. Don't you think it's, it's noisy out there with all these, with all the, all these books and, and people and famous people mixed up with the traditional <laughs> public, you know, with the self-published and everything we're all together. So if, you know, if, if somebody really famous has a book coming out, you know, and yours is there too, well, guess what? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, com it's competitive. Is that the right word, Christine? It, it's yeah, definitely competitive. Yeah. You can always tell when these famous people, <laughs> they start appearing on all of the news shows and it's like, oh, they must have a new book out. And sure enough, there it is. I'm like, where's the book? I'm waiting. And there it was. Yeah. It was, it was or the famous cool. people who write children's books. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wonder, are they really writing these themselves? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I hear you. It's um, it's very, it's very, very competitive, a very competitive industry. Um, we've got a question. How do you see numbers of pre-orders? Amazon doesn't share that. 
good question. Um, Lindsay, how do you, how do you know, like what's, I, I remember, what's the service that tracks book sales? I can't remember the name of it. You'd probably have to sign up for it. Um, I think you're probably talking about BookScan, but um, internally, I, like, I don't know what, what, what this is at every single publisher, but at our, you know, at HCI, we have a tool where we can actually see Amazon pre-orders on a report. Um, that's the only retailer we actually get the pre-order data from, um, but we do have a way to track them. So it would just be, but it's not something that's visible to authors. Yeah. I know when my, when my book was in pre-order mode, I'm looking at Barnes and Noble and Books a Million and Amazon and going to the, all three, <laughs> seeing if the rankings are going up and stuff. So, you know, we're paying attention as an author to the rankings mm -hmm. and, uh, to, to see what's happening. But yeah, we were, we were getting one report. Somebody has another question. Um, what are the biggest hurdles in garnering pre-order interests for, for uh, non-famous writers. So if you're, if you're not famous, how do you get that traction to say pre-order, pre-order, or buy my book, buy my book? Um, huh. Yeah. I mean, I think that as far as like kind of what you were saying, if somebody's like an unknown author, like it is, it is very difficult if you don't have some type of a platform or if you have like, don't have a publisher that has like mailing lists and different ways to get the word out for pre-orders. Um, so, you know, pre-ordering, I think, lends itself, it's easier for someone if they have like a social media platform, like like Elizabeth herself, um, you know, she has the best ever new, ever you network, um, or, you know, publishers might have mailing lists and different things like that. Um, but, you know, it, it is, that is a challenge. Um, you know, you would have to potentially like kind of try to build your platform. Um, if you're doing talks, like speaking engagements, you could, you know, carry some flyers and, you know, try to just kind of mention that your book's available for pre-order and try to get them that way. Um, but it is, it is challenging if you don't have a, a platform as an author where you have, you know, people you can go to and ask to do the pre-order. Yeah. Um, borrow somebody's platform, like get to know somebody and ask and, and flat out ask it's uh, the worst that somebody's going to say to you is no, I don't do that, but it's a really good ask for if somebody's, somebody's got a bigger platform, just ask them um, to, to borrow their platform. We do, we do a lot of that at best ever you, especially on the podcast. You can start your own podcast. There's lots of <coughs> to get, get people familiar with you as an author. Got another question. Christine, how are you doing? You good still? I'm, I'm okay. I'm so grateful. Thank you for, for being here. Cause this is such good information. I think people are loving this from the comments. Give us a thumbs up if you're loving this. Um, during the pre-order state, can you send the link out to your own community that you already have established? And can you also get famous people to endorse your book? Yeah. <laughs> Go. Yes. So um, as far as, you know, sending out the link, exactly. Like you could, you know, send out the link to get people to pre-order on Amazon or other retailers. You know, if you have a social media platform, just going back to what Elizabeth was talking about before, as far as like borrowing other people's platform, um, you know, you could do some like podcast interviews and different things like that, where you're, you know, you're, you can talk about the book a little bit, you know, and that it's available for pre-order. And that's another way to get pre-order generated, um, especially, I mean, there's so many podcasts now and, um, you know, traditionally kind of media for book was more, you know, really geared toward when it was available, but, you know, things are going, you know, being released early, different things. So um, that's another good way. I know um, with with my book, with the Change Guidebook, one of my goals, huge goals, because I, I just respect him so much. One of my idols is Jack Canfield. And I was like, 
oh, I just want him to endorse this book. <laughs> that would be the coolest thing ever. And that was my goal. And um, he's right here on the back cover. And uh, I can't tell where I'm pointing, but he's right here on the back cover having endorsed the book. That was majorly huge to me. I mean, and 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 you never know when you ask somebody like that, are they going to say yes or no? And boy, when you get that yes, it's like, oh my gosh, that just happened. <laughs> so don't, you know, so, get, you know, I think one of my answers to that is to, you know, ask don't expect a no either because that's the energy you don't want ask with you know i'm 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 open to the world giving me a yes here and keep your energy open and your heart open and your mind open and um you know you may just get that yes and it i i remember remember that lindsay i'm like he just endorsed the book how excited you are you're very excited <laughs> well and actually jack at his seminars used to tell people ask, 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 yeah. <laughs> and ask. If you ask the first person, they tell, you no. go to keep going till you find somebody who will say yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's the coolest process, you, you know, and, and if you get a no, um, you know, it wasn't, may not, might've, might not have been meant to be, sorry, I got my words all mixed up, you know, but, but um, don't let the no sink in you know, to, um, don't give up right then and there. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I got a rejection. Let me tell you, my stack of rejections is yeah. impressive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've got them throughout my whole, whole life here. So, um, you know, the yeses are are what drives us forward and so forth. Okay, we have more questions. Um, that's just my take too, by the way. These guys are the pros. Um, are there, uh, are these decisions up to the agent and publisher? Um, I don't know what that means. You might have to elaborate a little bit on that do you mean the pre-order part um well we're going to hold that question and keep going for a minute elaborate for me on what you mean by decisions up to the agent and publisher if you could um what is okay i want to be an author i have absolutely no idea where to start there's a question for you um where do i start do your homework <laughs> first mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, first of all, you have to have an idea, but it has to be a marketable idea because this is a business. So, um, you know, I tell people, go to the bookstore, see what's there. Um, see who is publishing the kinds of books, book that you want to publish and find, you know, write to those publishers. But yeah, you need to see what's selling, but understand how your book is different and you need to be able to elaborate on that and you know succinctly identify what is different about your book from all the books that are out there sometimes you know i go to the bookstore and i get depressed seeing you go to the remainder section at barnes and noble yeah. uh, boy these all these people had this great idea and it's tough yeah. It's, it's competitive tough. out there. It is really, really, really competitive. I always say, you know, writing a book is one thing and then like finding the audience for it, the readers for it, the, the momentum for it, the marketing for it. It's, it's, it's tough. Um, and, and, yeah, and, and just because you might get on a big talk show, a national talk show doesn't mean the book's going to sell either. It has to be a grassroots kind of thing, you know, people saying, oh gosh, I love this book and you have to read it. Yeah. I have almost a thousand people in a group right now. I think I thank them every day. <laughs> I go in there and I'm like, thank you. <laughs> you know, it's like we're climbing to a hundred views. Let's go. You know, and that's exactly what it is. It's that, it's that champ, they champion you as an author. 
And without the people championing, championing whatever that word is, you know, you need your champions <laughs> behind you um, to, to go forward and, and so forth. Okay, that was the question for pre-order. Who decides pre-orders? Is that you guys, um, the publisher, or is that the author themselves or the agent? Like who decides when a book goes into pre-order mode or how long it goes into pre-order mode? Um, well, I, I guess it would depend on which publisher you're working with. I'm not sure. I know, you know, HCI, we're working with Simon & Schuster as our distributor. So they have like a specific schedule as to when books become available for pre-order. Um, I'm not sure if that, and Christine, you might know if if all publishers have the same schedule. Yeah. Um, but like kind of once the book's officially, you know, available for pre-order on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, those different sites with the cover art where, you know, it looks really polished and ready to go. Um, that's kind of the green light to go ahead and do pre-ordering. But it, I guess it might be different based on who you're working with. Yeah, yeah. Christian, when he comes on, you know, he might that, be able to okay, make a note. Um, what about, um, can you put a pre-order mode on a self-published book? Do you know that answer? Or is it pre-order just for traditionally published books? I think I know the answer. So I'm a human being who has books that I've self-published and traditionally published. And when we put a book out on Amazon, um, like a children's book, we don't seem to have a pre-order window. Okay. So uh, if you see one, correct me, because I would love one on some of the things. So, yeah. Um, does that answer your question to the user um, who's commenting? And then we have a question, what's a, what's a genre? What's that mean in the book, book publishing world? And can you switch genres or are you always in one, one of them? Um, it's basically the category. So self-help, psychology, um, you know, then there's the overall nonfiction or fiction, but then there are these subcategories. So, yeah. you know, health and wellness, um, you know, just if you go to the bookstore, you'll see the genres. <laughs> you try to find a book, that, the shelving categories. And then sometimes, though, the the bookstores will put things in, in a place, even though it will we'll, we'll identify the genre on the back of the book. So those stores will know where to place the book when they're yeah. shelving it. But we had a, an author, she wrote a very funny memoir about her weight loss journey, her, all her struggles with weight loss. And um, I went to my local Barnes and Noble and they actually had it in the diet section, like the diet cookbook section, which... <laughs> Did you I move know. it? Take all the copies and move them. <laughs> You're yes. like, oh, I'm Christine. I'm moving these. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. What's? Do you know the name of that book? That sounds like the story of my life. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I could really relate to it. Um, uh, it was called Getting Wasted, but W-A-I-S-E-D. <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay. I'll see if that's available. She's getting some sales. <laughs> All right. Um, does anybody have any other questions for Christine? I think we're going to let Christine rest. She's been a grouper here. Um, anything else for Christine? Jennifer, did you have anything else that you wanted to ask? Great conversation. Christine, do you have anything you want to add? No, I think that's it. You know, just don't don't give up. Be positive. And, you know, there's there are still books to be written and we want to see what you have. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are very open about things. Um, everybody says thank you. Oh, thank <laughs> yeah. you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Okay, are you going to 
exit the conversation? I, or you yeah, I think I am. If there are no other questions, I might. Okay. And if you guys have questions, if you, if, if Christine leaves and you think of questions, just type them in and we can um, add them to the conversation. We can do a blog. We can do all sorts of stuff. So if you think of questions like, oh, she left and I forgot to ask yeah. for that, you know, mm -hmm. we, we've got you covered. So just type it on in um, or get a hold of me, um, Elizabeth at besteveryou.com, and I'll make sure and pass the questions over to Christine and we'll get you answers. So okay. thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Christine. We're so grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, Lindsay, you ready? Yep. Okay, ready. Our conversation is going to shift to marketing and PR. This is the, the wonderful and very talented Lindsay Mock here with me. She's the, I'm going to read this. Um, or do you want to talk about who you are and what you do? No, no, you can read it. I'll read it. I'm actually going to read this. Okay. Lindsay's the public relations and marketing coordinator for HCI. In her role, she plans and manages the marketing and publicity campaigns for HCI books. This includes working with the authors on social media, media coverage, and author events, and more. Um, Lindsay has over a decade of experience in the publishing industry, working in both trade and educational publishing. She has a bachelor's degree in communication studies with a journalism minor and a master of arts and teaching degree from Northeastern University. So anything else you want to add? No, yeah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I love your dogs. Your dog. There's one, right? I think there's one. Yeah, and I have a dog named Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Sometimes I thought you had two dogs, but that's me, right? I have two dogs. <laughs> You're the one with two really cute dogs. <laughs> oh, they're fun. Um, okay. So you and I always say it's one thing to write a book and it's another thing to market a book and get it selling, find its audience, find its readers, and so forth, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, writing the, you know, getting the book into the finished product is just the beginning, you know, once you have it, then you have to make sure that readers, you know, find it and get into your markets and find a way to reach people. Yeah, it's kind of like, but wait, there's more. Because, <laughs> you know, I know as an author, I'm like, okay, I can take a break. I wrote that, it's all being printed up and everything, and it's like, no. No, you can't. It's yeah. kind of like when the almost the real work begins in a way. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've I've heard from a lot of authors that they really underestimated how hard, like, kind of, you know, how much work marketing and publicity is for the book. Um, and to your point, you know, it's like you finally get the milestone of having the book printed, and and then you know your work's just starting over again. Um, you know, and I I do encourage authors, you know, whether they're traditionally publishing or self-publishing to, you know, start working on, you know, coming up with the marketing plans early and planning for that. Um, Cause you do really want to, you know, have a plan in place and, you know, have it even, you know, as, as long as you can take pre-orders for the book, have it kind of, you know, started up um, when the book actually come, goes on sale. Yeah. And what does that mean? Like, what would a marketing plan look, look like? Because to me, that's like, you know, when I think about books, one of the things that I can't plan for is where it's going to go for real. And to me, that's the coolest thing in the world. We've done things with the change guidebook that I'm like, wow, I can't believe that went there. I didn't plan for that. Yeah. Um, but so what's a basic marketing plan look like? Yeah. And um, just to, you know, to be more specific, like depending on what kind of book you're publishing, like, you know, there's reference books, textbooks, trade books, like, you know, Elizabeth's books that are self-help, um, children's books, which Elizabeth has as well. Um, so there's all different types of books that you could be publishing. So your marketing plan would really be, be different and customized based on what kind of um, book you're publishing. Like as an example, like you wouldn't do 
maybe we wouldn't you wouldn't really focus on like doing podcast interviews if if you have like an educational textbook that's meant to reach professors. Um, so you kind of want to you know think about like wh who your market is, where they are. Um, you know, I'm going to talk more about like from like a trade perspective of you know like since HCI does mostly the self help books as we've talked about on the call. Um, you know, that would include things like doing interviews, you know, traditional media. So that's like TV, radio, podcasts. There's a lot of online websites, um, you know, that post excerpts. We'll do author interviews, um, all sorts of good stuff. And then there's, you know, social media influencers um, like bookstagrammers. There's, um, you know, book talkers, um, you know, so in, in really like, you know, based on what kind of genre your book is, you know, you want to kind of find out where where those opportunities are. Um, you know, you know, if you published a children's book, you know, I know that um, on Instagram and Bookstagram, like children's books are really popular. Um, so that would be a good place for you to focus your energy, um, whereas you might not, um, you know, you'd, you would do more like, you know, school visits and that kind of thing. Um, as opposed to if you were doing a trade book with uh, on self-help, you'd probably try be trying to set up some talks, um, looking for influencers and podcasts that focus on, um, you know, if you're writing about like trauma or, you know, healing, that kind of thing, you would look for people who are talking about that on interviews. Um, yeah. But, you know, the essentials of like a marketing plan would be some type of like social media, um, maybe a website, like a lot of authors already have some type of a website. Um, so they can either, um, you know, add to that or, um, so, so, you know, you could make a book website depending on if it made sense for your book. Um, you know, speaking and talking, you know, opportunities for bulk sales of the book. Media, uh, as I mentioned, um, which could be anything from TV, radio, interviews, newspapers, um, podcasts, websites. Um, there's, you know, even like if you were writing like a, a cookbook that was for like special diets, um, um, years ago, I worked at a publisher where I was, we specialized in the like, gluten-free cookbooks. Um, so we would do outreach to like the gluten-free and celiac disease groups. Um, so, you know, th places like that where it's more like there's a specialized market and they're looking for your products. Um, and, you know, you can reach, reach out to them and let them know that the book's going to be available, see if they have an opportunity for like a book review, um, see if they'd be interested in having you do a talk or um, to some kind of like an author profile. There's all sorts of great, you know, creative ways you can work with, um, you know, in, in a lot of them grassroots um, that you can publicize a book. And then there also are things, opportunities like advertising, um, you know, that you can pursue as well in like niche categories. So if you're writing a book on like addiction, you might look for websites or um, magazines or different platforms where you can advertise that is really for that community. Um, so you're hitting your target market. Yeah. And that, in that genre. So like if you, if you have a, a fiction book, for example, um, how, how, uh, how consistent do you think you need to be, I guess with any kind of book, but um, fiction seems to be particularly noisy. Uh, there's a lot of fiction books out there and so forth. And I know we've got a lot of fiction authors with us tonight, not nonfiction fiction. Um, how, how much time and effort do you really think you need to put into marketing your book? Is it like once a month, every day, five times a day? I mean, if, if you're sitting around and your book isn't selling, is that your cue that you've got to do more? 
Um, instead of feeling like, oh, I've written a bad book and this is boring, you know, that kind of thing. I know people are like, oh, I'm not good at this. And I, and I read the books. And I'm like, no, you're very, it's a very good book. It just hasn't found its, its following yet. How do you yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I've seen authors who've spent a lot of time promoting their book and then others that haven't. Um, and, you know, like if you're really like, you know, uh, committed to, you know, making the book sell and, you know, to doing the publicity and marketing, um, I think it's really an everyday job, um, you know, as Elizabeth can attest to, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's every it's, day, all day thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of, you know, and I, definitely you want, there's like that window of when it is available first where it's new and fresh. Um, I think you have the best opportunities then. Um, that being said, um, you know, once you have a book, you know, as long as the topic's evergreen, um, you can continue to, you know, set up talks and book signings and, um, you know, do interviews and just always mention the book. So you know, there is opportunity for kind of continuous promotion, but that, you know, right out of the gate, like that window is like the most yeah. important time for you to focus on it. And yeah, it's, you know, it, it does require a lot of work to to make it successful. Yeah, they're timeless, though. That's the thing I think that people forget the most. And sometimes they come back in popularity. Get whatever's happening in the world. People are like, hey, I'm reading this. And it's like, wait a minute. I did that five years ago or something. Um, but their books books are timeless. You always have it. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, you know, authors who do have um, some type of a speaking program as part of their like business or maybe there's like a specialist and they do talks. Um, it's a really good opportunity to sell you know, in bulk, and that can be something that you're kind of continuously doing. And it doesn't matter if the book came out, you know, three weeks ago or five years ago, you know, you can continue to when you go do your talk, uh, make sure that you have copies available for signing and anyone who hears your presentation has an opportunity to get get the book. Yeah. What What do you think the average reader is like these days? Like who, who, who reads books? Um, you know, I mean, I think that, uh, that that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I think that there's different kind of categories of books that as far as, um, you know, there's certain people who prefer to read things online. Um, I do think that a lot of people still prefer like the print book. Yeah. Um, I know that, you know, when, when, e-reader came out I was all excited and I bought one and I still I, it just sits there and I actually still read print books um <laughs> yeah. you know, there are you know there's a lot more happening um with ebooks and um so I think it, it depends like you know everyone's still reading it's just there's more formats now um and I you know there are a lot of websites that have information which makes it an even bigger challenge is you know getting somebody to buy the book as opposed to going to a website to look for information about your topic. So it's kind of the availability of content online is kind of created an additional challenge for publishing. Yeah, there's, a, it's noisy out there. Mm -hmm. Very, very noisy out there. Um, what do you, so, so let's talk about the, per, the purpose of your book. I think this is a really, when I go to write books and I think about, I think about them like as a project, like, and, and where is that project going to go? Like, what's my use for that? Do you want to talk about like the purpose of a book? Sure. Uh, and, you know, based on like the genre, which we talked about earlier, it's really can be different based on, you know, what the book's about. Like there's, you know, how to books, learning how to do things, 
um, children's books, you know, fiction for entertainment. Um, so based on what you're writing, like, you know, you have a different purpose. You might be trying to entertain somebody. You might be trying to teach somebody how to do something new. Or if it's an educational book, it might be, you know, professor using it in a course where they're teaching their students. So there's different purposes based on what kind of book it is. Yeah. Christian's joining us. Hi, Christian. Do you want to be in the feed right now or did you just want to wait till 830? Are you cool with being on? I just added you and I'm like, whoops. Sure. No, it's <laughs> fine. I was like, hi. I'm, <laughs> I'm here. I'm ready. <laughs> That's funny. This is Christian Blanchine, everybody. Um, and he'll he'll be talking more about everything as well here as we go um, closer to the 8.30 mark. But, you know, I, I think that's a really good point. And Christian, chime in too to the conversation whenever you want to. But I think that's such a good point about like the purpose of the book. Like, you know, I hear people say, well, I want to be a New York Times bestselling author. I'm like, well, that's a really lofty goal. Um, and I think, okay, so with my book, I just, I, for me personally, I'm like, you know, one person at a time, change a life, you know, kind of thing. And I think about it differently rather than like the, the, but some people have really big dreams with their books and some people are like, no, I just want to publish that. So I have something to give to family or a calling card or it goes with my speech or whatever. So talk a little bit more about like the purpose of, of your book, just to, yeah. just, get, just to keep going a little bit. And just a couple of things I thought of as you were talking, like I've worked with authors who really like their main purpose for putting out a book was to get more business, okay. um, so use it like as an expensive business card. Um, so it might be something where you're really just trying to establish yourself as like a thought leader in your field. Um, or it could be something that, to your point, like where you're just wanting something more for like friends and family. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of people say their purpose is you wanting to help other people, um, you know, sharing their knowledge to help someone. So I think it really can vary based on what kind of book it is. Yeah. And and Christian, what do you want to hear from for an author that would actually be included in a traditionally published um, uh, mode? What One person at a time for my friends and family probably isn't like the marketing plan, correct? Well, <laughs> or, or maybe. <laughs> it's a, I, I think uh, you guys touched on a little bit. It's, it's, it's expectations. Um, yes. But that formula has worked. Yeah. Um, if that is, if your expectation is to hit the New York Times list first first week of of the release, then no, it's not. But if you have the expectations that it's a marathon and not a sprint, well, you get that book in the hands of this person, and then that person shares it and shares, and then it, you know there's a lot of luck involved, and then it gets shared with someone that maybe has influence somehow. Yeah. So, um, you know. We did chicken soup, as as a lot of people are aware of. That really came about from old-fashioned word of mouth. Um, people, books being put in untraditional places, gas stations and hair salons and, and things like that. Um, and then finally, the word of mouth starts kicking in. So, no, I mean, I think one book here, one book there, over time, it can have an impact. But, yeah. you know, yeah, it takes it. a little time. <laughs> yeah. I like the marathon plan. I, you know, I love my book on airplanes. That is my favorite thing these days. Just tuck one in a pocket and you never know where that thing's going. I'm like, I write finders keepers in it. Hey, hi. <laughs> you know, lending, I just, lending libraries too. Uh, we yeah. have some authors who always drop them in those like little lending library yeah. books, uh, boxes um, that I drop our books in there periodically too. So yeah, I love that where it just finds its way. All right. Um, Lindsay, 
I'm going to go back. Um, I, I love this discussion about purposes of books and platforms and marketing and everything. Um, if you guys have questions, make sure you type them on in to while we're talking. But um, here's one. <laughs> what is a platform and how do I get one? <laughs> well, <laughs> it would be great if just buy a platform, but <laughs> it has to be developed. Um, so we, we talk in publishing a lot about like the author platform. So it's your platform, whether it's like online or through speaking and mailing lists, but kind of like your 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 platform for getting the word out about your book. Um, so as I, I talked about earlier in the night, you know, it's easier for an author who's publishing a book to get sales when they have an established platform because they already have, you know, followers and, you know, fans and people who know about their work. So they kind of have an automatic audience that can be brought in. Um, so, you know, I recommend for authors, whether you're self-publishing or traditionally publishing, that you, you know, work on your author platform, you know, treat it as you know, something you're constantly working on. And it, it evolves, you know, I've seen authors have kind of a, you know, smaller following and over time they, they built it up and, you know, got a lot more traction on it. Um, and, you know, but it's really just kind of your, your network of who knows about your work. And there's so many opportunities to do that online now, uh, like Elizabeth with Best Ever You. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of creating your own hashtag. Um, because people know they can always click on your hashtag and see the latest and greatest of what's happening in in that topic or that world or whatever. So, um, and then the use of hashtags in a in a bigger sense as well. So, like I'll have a, like a hashtag HCI books, hashtag best ever you, hashtag change guidebook, but then I'll broaden that out to hashtag books, authors, self help, personal development. Per, you know, the bigger hashtags that people might click on to kind of go for looking what they want. Um, but that's part of platform development too, with you know using the social, using what the tools that are out there in the right way mm -hmm. to get the best engagement. And that is something that I've, I'm constantly learning. Something new comes up every day <laughs> with trying to with you know learning social media. And I'll ask some, you know, I'm in my almost mid fifties here, so I'll ask somebody much younger than I am, even uh, one of our kids, somebody else's kids, whatever. And they're like, yeah. Da, 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 TikTok, you know, and, and there you go on TikTok. I'm like actually on TikTok now. Uh, granted, they're not the most best videos or whatever, but I'm out there. And and I have people that will write in, oh, I just bought your book. And it's the coolest thing. And it might be one person who tells another who tells another, kind of like what Christian was saying. Um, but the, the platform development, um, do you see one platform really selling books more than another? I know TikTok's super popular for fiction, getting more popular for nonfiction, but do you see one platform working better or is it just up to the author to use the platform? Um, I mean, I think it, book talk, which is talk, you know, as you mentioned, like for YA and for fiction, that seems to be like the best place right now. Um, there's also a lot of opportunity on Instagram. There's bookstagrammers, which are basically people who just yeah. you know, take pictures of books and post them and they're all fancy and stuff and um so it, you know there's I'd say those are kind of the two biggest things um but it really also just depends on your market um like as you mentioned like like in nonfiction in particular there's not as much opportunity on like book talk as there are for like young adult books yeah, um, or, or 
I think part of it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier in the night that like it depends part of it depends on what kind of book you have yeah. um, and just making sure you're in the right places um, so it's kind of hard to say this is the place to go it's more it varies based on what your book is what if, what if I'm an author and I say, mm, I don't like social media. I'm not on any of this stuff and I don't want to be. So unfortunately, um, you know, I, I hear that a lot as far as like social media is so time consuming and it, it is like I 100% agree that it is. Um, it's a big <laughs> commitment. <laughs> so um, my, my strategy, you know, when if you're not kind of fully committed to, you know, being on social media is looking at where your market is and maybe finding like one or two platforms that you can focus on. Um, so as an example, um, you know, if you were um, doing like something like if you wanted to post like on Twitter, just like focus on your Twitter account and just kind of you know, keep that going as opposed to trying to stretch yourself thin with having all these different accounts and then not updating any of them. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it, you know, if, if you don't have, if you're not really interested in social media or you don't have the time, which is, you know, it is very time consuming, unfortunately, you know, just finding like, you know, picking a platform that you think makes the most sense for your market. Like where are your readers? Are they, does it make the most sense for you to focus on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or. Goodreads. Goodreads is another one that somebody just mentioned. Goodreads is a good one. I don't know if that's a social, that's kind of a social media platform in a way, right? Yeah, um, we we encourage authors to get reviews on Goodreads. Um, I don't. I mean, you can be active on there. I don't know that I would spend a lot of energy. You know, I, like I, I would. But yeah, <laughs> I would get your author profile polished, <laughs> which I know Elizabeth has. <laughs> um, you know, I would get your profile really polished and then try to you know get get people to review it on there. But um, as far as like updating it every day, I don't really know that um, that would be the place I would focus my energy on. Um, but definitely it is a good place um, to get reviews and um, people noticing your book. Yeah. What do you think about um, audio versus video? I know we're in this pod, we're in a podcasting boom. We're in a, so it feels like we're kind of like in a video boom. Is video killing the radio star again? <laughs> It's a good time you play the music right now. <laughs> but, um, you know, is, is video more popular than um, audio only right now or are they equal or do you know? I guess I personally think that, and Christian would probably want to comment on this too. Um, I personally think that video is more popular than audio only. That being said, um, you know, I, I, as I mentioned earlier in the evening you know i set up all the author interviews for hci and lots of the authors are doing you know podcasts and a lot of them with a big following and there are quite a few that are audio only yeah. uh, so there are lots of audio only opportunities um, but i do think as far as social media content video is very you know it's one of the better ways to attract readers and just people to your content yeah what do you, th what do you think uh yeah, I agree with that too, particularly for promotional and, and marketing purposes. You know, we're a very visual um, people, society. Um, a, a snippet that has visual attached to it is is just more interesting than something that, that may not. Um, so yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I did also want to chime in on your question about like, if you have someone that is opposed to social media. Um, 
Lindsay's advice was spot on, focus on something because from my end, which is a little bit more of the sales and marketing, and we'll touch on this later, it boils down to discoverability. That is the biggest challenge to, to selling a book. There's, I have some stats that we'll share later, just the number of books that are published every single year. It's, it's how, how is your book going to get found from the, the smorgasbord of books that gets released every year? Uh, while it's time consuming, the simplest method is to build, you know, a platform, a social media page, things of that nature, so that people can be made aware of your book. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, I just want to touch on that. No, too. no, I love it. And, I, you know, I've had wonderful success lately as things have been going and going and going for a while now with Facebook ads. I have a verified page on Facebook and I started just learning. So I'd take out a $5 ad. And I put the change guidebook on there and just do $5 and see how, see if I could, if I could learn it without, you know, spending too much money. And I have had the most wonderful success with engagement, authentic, real, actual people engaging, saying, I love that book or hi, how are you? Whatever it is, you know, did you see this picture of my dog? Yeah, cute. You know, whatever engagement it is um, with Facebook ads. Um, just wonderful. I did one um, just the other day um, for something and spent $50 for the ad total. I controlled it with just $50 out the door. And, you know, it got like 4,000 likes and 80 shares and all this stuff. So um, it's just some of the simpler things. And you can do that on Instagram. I don't know if you can take an ad out on LinkedIn. I haven't seen that. But you can take little simple ads out on Twitter uh, Instagram and Facebook for, you know, $5. And that starts to do that. It'll, all it takes is like one person to share it or whatever. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I think that advertising on social media is a really good idea. And I, I think that like what your strategy is, like kind of just testing it, like seeing, you know, try a platform, just spend minimal budget, just see, you know, what kind of engagement you get, and then you can decide whether you want to continue or not. But I do think that a lot of the social media platforms are set up where you can't really see all the content unless you do do the ads. So yeah. you're going to, you know, just kind of pick and choose which posts to advertise as opposed to just doing them all. Yeah, that's what I've been doing too. And it grew the, it grew my platform over there from, it got verified. It was, it was verified a few years ago, but it was verified at like 9,000 people. And now there's almost 16,000 people. And that's a, that's a pretty big growth for not, you know, for pretty organic. Mm -hmm. it's very, I'm very, anybody who knows me knows I'm very organic growing. So that can be a little bit slower, but it means that each person I come across, I'm going to take care of them and take care of them and, and build that trust and so forth so that people know when they come into our content, that it's a trusted place in space. It's not spammy and, and so forth. And that to me is probably the most important thing. That trust factor online is, is important to me. So, um, okay, here's another one. I got a lot of questions. You ready for more? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Does, doesn't the publisher just do all the marketing for me <laughs> yeah. and make sure the book and I are just a smash, a smashing success? <laughs> Um, so, you know, I, I think that's the red carpet, right? <laughs> I think that is a common misconception for, you know, new authors, like not realizing how much effort they need to also put into, you know, making the books a success. And depending on your publisher, I know there's publishers that, you know, put a lot of resources into books and others that just 
don't really do much at all. Um, but, you know, at, at HCI, we collaborate with our authors a lot, as, as Elizabeth can attest to. Um, and so there's certain things that I'll do, you know, we'll do as the publisher. Um, but there's also a lot of things that Elizabeth's doing. As we mentioned, she she keeps herself very busy. <laughs> um, so she's, you know, working hard um, also to make the book a success. Um, so it really is, it's, it's, it's not just the publisher, it's, it, the author is really like driving the ship of trying to get the book sales. And you know, what we were talking about before, as far as having like the platform, you know, finding if you're, if you do like public speaking, you want to work the book into like all of your, your speaking engagements and um, push book sales. Or if you're somebody like Elizabeth that has a, a large social media following, finding, finding like creative ways to you know, incorporate the book into your content where it doesn't seem spammy. Um, that you're just posting the same thing every day. Um, but it, a lot of it does fall on the author um, where, where I, I know a lot of authors probably originally when they're setting up a, with a publisher would think it's all the publisher making it a success. Yeah. Yeah. And, and don't you think that's true for all levels? But like if I'm super uber famous, I'm still going to have some work involved. Yeah, no, and, and you know, to your point, like you would still be doing like appearances and media, and um, you know, it's the same thing. Like you know, even if it's somebody else managing your social media account, there would still be that promotion going. So you know, there's always the work of the author getting the word out about the book, um, and you know, if you're self-publishing, um, you know, you're doing all of that on yourself, you know, as well um, without you know even the publisher's resources. Yeah, I had a day off the other day. And you know why? It's because somebody relatively pretty famous held up the book. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can, I can relax today. <laughs> like, and then I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> I got to hold, I got to show that they held up the book. <laughs> That's true. You have to show that off. <laughs> so, but it was, it was pretty cool to, you know, to have Wayne Scott Lucas and Carrie Young and, and, you know, people hold up the book, you know, and they discovered it organically. And it was like, oh, that's so cool at the moment for the book, you know, and I, I just think that's, it's cool when things like that happen. And so the, sometimes the, the, there's still work involved, but, you know, sometimes the marketing kind of goes a little bit on its own. Mm -hmm. so the momentum kicks in mm -hmm. yeah. on certain days anyway. <laughs> I, I thought that was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, there's work involved and a marketing plan. And do, don't you think that's no matter the, the genre, somebody just typed in, you never stop doing the work. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, don't you think that's no matter what kind of book it is? Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely, I mean, kind of going back to my examples of the different types of books, I think yeah. if, if you're publishing like a textbook or um, more of like a reference book, you might not have be doing as much. Well, I guess a reference book, you might be doing some doing some marketing, but like textbooks, they usually have like sales reps that are on campus pushing, pushing the book to professors. Um, but um you know, any type of like trade book or children's book, yeah, you definitely want to have like a, a marketing plan in, in place and, um, you know, figure out kind of your plan before you publish the book and, um, you know, keep pushing it, you know, even if it's after it's out, you know, as long as the content's evergreen. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, what's What does it mean to be an Amazon bestseller? Love that question. 
It's kind of fun. I'm a best-selling author. <laughs> I'm an Amazon best-selling author, whatever it is. You know, people love to use those words, award-winning and best-selling and so forth. What's it really mean to be an Amazon best-selling author? Sure. Um, so I'll talk about that a little bit, and then I'm sure Christian will probably want to chime in as well. Um, but on Amazon, they have, you know, different categories that your book um, will be in. So as an example, um, you know, some a, a book like the Change Guidebook would probably find itself in, like, self-help or... Um, you know, change, or I'm, I'm not sure what the, your third category is, um, but you can become like a bestseller in these different categories. And basically it's, you know, people purchasing the book, page views, um, you know, and it's all like time driven. So like if you have a big media hit and, you know, 50 people buy your book, like your ranking on Amazon's going to go higher and higher. And then you could become like an Amazon bestseller um, either in a category. And they also have things like lists like movers and shakers, um, there's like a, just like an overall ranking list. Um, so there's all different ways you can kind of become like an Amazon bestseller. Um, but, uh, you know, it's the, there's like an algorithm the site uses based on page views and sales. Yeah. Do you, um, you're, you're mixed up with everybody though, in that. So like if Michelle Obama puts out a book and you do at the same time, <laughs> you know, everybody's in the same pool of of books together, correct? Um, so I guess with the categories, like, you know, if you had a book, you know, you, you wouldn't potentially be in the same category as Michelle Obama or, you know, based on what your book's content is, like as an example, like a cookbook wouldn't find itself in the same category likely as the change guidebook. Um, yeah. but, but you could be in uh, Christian, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, there's more like just like overall Amazon rankings. So like you could, be a cookbook on the same like list as Michelle Obama's book. And um, yeah. Th yeah, that's correct. I mean, so there is, there's the category rankings, which um, you're not in with everybody. You're in with other people within that same category. The, the really important ranking is what's is the overall ranking. And that is, yes, you are, you know, based, you're in there with the Michelle Obama's and, anybody else that's out at that moment or really in, in time. Um, you know, the thing that I find interesting in what I do with Amazon is how many other businesses, other entities pay attention to Amazon. They, and it's, it's really true. Amazon rankings are a barometer of people's interest in a book. Right. Um, so like we, some of what we do is we'll sell to publishers internationally and I'll get contacted from time to time from a publisher in Greece, for example. And they'll be like, Hey, I saw this book hit, you know, 500 on the, can you tell me a little bit about it? They're watching. I've had another account that is a retail account here in the U S who was considering bringing a book in said, if the ranking stays at X for two more weeks on Amazon, we'll bring it in. So, so that I always found super interesting. But, and Lindsay did clarify this, the, the one thing that, you know, for prospective authors that are here that I want to make clear is it doesn't necessarily mean you're selling your book. Yeah. That's the one thing and not to be negative about it. It means that people are visiting the page, they're clicking on it. You know, it's a big mystery of how the ranking is calculated. I wish I had the answer, mm -hmm. um, but it is, as Lindsay said, it's some formula of sales and page views and clicks within a certain time period. Got so it. good um, to know. Yeah. 
And just to um, add about the categories. So like a lot of times when a new book will come out, um, you'll see like a flag at the top of the page that says like number one new release and self-help or um, yeah. those are kinds of things that like an author can then post screenshot. on social media. Yeah, exactly. Screenshot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, then that's kind of like a, you can then say like, oh, I'm the number one. I was, I was the number one book in the cooking category or, you know, yeah. whatever category it might be. Keeping that tag there is a different story. <laughs> <laughs> the tag appears and then you're like, oh, wait a minute, where'd that go? A screenshot, <laughs> you know? So keeping that tag there is, is, is involves going back to your platform or whatever and saying, hey, you know, let's direct sales to Amazon and so forth or whatever it is. To, to get me back up in the rankings or whatever. If you know people, you can be that blunt. But most of the time, it's not that blunt, is it? It's 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 more of a, a, a softer marketing rather than, hey, go buy my book so I can have my Amazon ranking go up. <laughs> you know, people don't say that. <laughs> Unless it's family. <laughs> right? Or do we? I don't know. Um, um, okay, so that anything else on Amazon? Um, I just wanted to add, so like if you're, um, they have Amazon Author Central, which is a program that authors can sign up for. And through that, you can make a profile on your Amazon page, um, kind of similar to the Goodreads profile I was mentioning, where you can just, like Elizabeth has one, um, where it's just, you know, your author photo, you can add video, and just makes it a look a little bit more like personal and polished. And they also have other tools. I'm, I'm told, I, I don't, personally have one since I'm not an author, um, but I'm told by other authors we work with that they do have some like sales reporting um, and other tools that you can use as an author for your Amazon page. Okay, good. All right. Can you guys tell if a book is going to be successful as it's being published and marketed like right off the bat? Sometimes you can tell in advance. So as a publisher, we do get reporting in advance of a book's publication. So um, we'll see pre-orders. So, um, and then oftentimes, and again, here's a case of Amazon sort of driving the rest of the retail ship. If, if we um, have a title that's getting a ton of pre-orders, a ton of traffic, we can use that information with other accounts that may or may not be considering bringing the book in. You know, again, as a barometer of consumer interest, you should bring this book in too. So, so yeah, I think you can, it's not a guarantee for certain, um, but oftentimes we can see what interest is like leading up to a book's release and then um, <clears throat> thereafter. But again, with a little bit of luck and the book falling in someone's right hands, it, just because it's off to a slow start doesn't mean it won't pick up later as well. Because might hear puppies in the background. I have dogs in the background. <laughs> Everybody there, it's time for them to go on their walk. So you might hear them bumping <laughs> around in the background. I'm not sure if you can hear it or not. Yeah, that, no, that's that's a really good, um, that's that's really helpful too. Um, Lindsay, why, I think we answered this already, but I just want to kind of go back to authors marketing their books. Um, does it mean that I need to talk, be able to talk about my book, like to become a, like a speaker? In, in the nonfiction world, I don't know about fiction, but nonfiction, does it mean I actually have to become a public speaker, do a course, you know, all these things that go with the book? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things. Well, first, like to what you're saying, like, I think it depends on your genre. Um, like just going back to like, you know, a fiction author, I don't necessarily think has to 
be doing public speaking. But if you're doing like nonfiction on like a topic where it's, you know, you could, it lends itself to like a course or um, speaking engagements. I do, that's a, you know, that's a really good way to push books. Um, you know, that being said, I know that not all authors do do that. Like some just aren't comfortable with like public speaking and they still have books and just that happens. Um, but I think it depends, like if you're a children's book author, you'd probably be wanting to set up, set up like school visits. Um, so, you know, but then there are, I'm sure also like children's book authors that don't do that. So I think part of it's like your comfort level. And um, if you are comfortable with it, it's a good way to get the word out and to push bulk sales. Yeah. All right. Um, we've got a couple more questions for you and we'll switch over to Christian. Um, what is a, what's a PR firm? And do I need to hire one? And how much do they cost in general? We don't have to. <laughs> like, is that is that something you have to do is hire a PR firm and and, and for any kind of book? Um, and, you know, same thing going back to the fact that there's different types of books. Like, it wouldn't make sense to hire a PR firm for like a reference book or a textbook. Um, you know, a lot of children's book authors do hire them or, you know, a fiction or a nonfiction um, author might hire one as well. Um, and, you know, it really comes down to budget because unfortunately it is pretty expensive. So, um, you know, it's, I think it's a budget consideration and your commitment to the project. Um, and also what re what resources you do get from your publisher. Um, so a lot of, you know, like HCI, you know, we, they have me on staff, so I'm helping authors. Um, I know there's other publishers don't don't have publicity. Um, so they're, they're kind of authors are on their own. And then you know, some publishing companies have like a whole huge team. So it really depends on kind of what resources you have. Um, but generally speaking, a PR firm is, uh, you know, a, a professional publicist who specializes in, you know, you would want to find somebody specializes in your kind of book and um, they would help you get like reviews and media coverage. And, um, I, you know, I've seen a decent amount of authors that do hire a PR firm. Usually they have some kind of like other business where they're also, Kind of developing their platform as uh you know a a doctor or a health and wellness coach or so like there's kind of more um it's not just the book that they're publicizing they're also publicizing them in their business or um so i've seen a lot of that as far as hiring a pr firm but it really depends there's plenty of authors that don't hire one because it is unfortunately pretty expensive and it would vary um i mean it could cost a couple of thousand dollars a month to you know twenty thousand dollars a month so i think it, <laughs> you know, i saw one i'm like mm, i have four kids in college at once i don't know about that <laughs> yeah some that are really that are really really expensive yeah and it does um it is the kind of thing where you can't really just hire them for like a month you need to hire them for like a couple of months to because they need to be able to develop the press materials and then plan all you know kind of do the pitching and follow up and then it takes a while for the media interviews to come in. So it's, it's, it's not the kind of thing where you can just hire them for a month, unfortunately, and get everything generated. So it, it, it is a couple of month commitment if you're thinking about doing it, but like plenty of like lots of authors don't hire one just yeah. because of the I, cost. I saw, um, as I was launching the change guidebook, I, I was working with, um, a PR firm that works with best ever you. And I was asking them there and they're like, you're too late. Actually, we would have needed this information like six months ago. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. So there's a wind. Sometimes there's a window um, that they want to have before the book comes out to work with you so that you're, that they're launching with you. 
Um, but that's not to say that your book can't get published and then hire a PR firm after to keep the PR alive, correct? Yeah, um, a couple of things. I mean, I think it depends on the PR firm because I, I have talked to PR firms that, you know, as you described, like they require like a six month block and they maybe want you to have like a couple of months beforehand. I've also talked to some that will take you on a month beforehand. And I've also worked with authors that have hired a PR firm to your point, like a year after the project's already been out and you just want to keep it going or, or you know, they are also promoting their business or you know, another yep. part of what they do where they see it as beneficial to both and they, it kind of justifies the expense. You got a question. Um, what's the best way to secure reviews? Um, so I guess uh, that's a good question. Um, so the traditional reviews, like which are like the Publishers Weekly Library Journal um, and Book Page Kirkus, they all have a window, which kind of what Elizabeth was saying, where you know there's like a cutoff for when you can submit to be considered for review, um, and it's around three months. Kirkus is longer; it's four to five months, but in general, the others are about it's about three months, but it might be off a little bit. Um, but um, you know, traditionally published authors, usually through the publisher, get their books submitted to those different places to be considered. Um, unfortunately, um, you know, as Elizabeth's mentioned a couple of times during the program, there's just, there's so many books that come out. Um, so not all of the books get picked up, but, you know, everybody can submit their books to be considered. Um, I, I don't really, self-published authors can, um, I think, I believe they can purchase a Kirkus review. And I believe they, there's also, um, Publishers Weekly has something called Book Life which is specific for self-published authors trying to get review coverage. And the reviews appear, uh, it's, it's a paid opportunity, but the reviews appear in Publishers Weekly, the printed edition, but just as a separate section devoted to published authors. Um, and then, you know, so, you know, if you're working with a publisher, the publisher would, would, would be submitting the book for you to these publications, but it be, would be done way in advance of it actually being available. Yeah. Uh, and for self-published um, authors, what do you think a, a good avenue to get reviews is? And that and beyond maybe Publishers Weekly or Book Life and Kirkus and and some of the other ones. Um, is it is it just asking friends and family to go onto Amazon and Goodreads and post? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean you could definitely get like more like the, the like the consumer reviews. Um, you know, self-published authors, I would recommend looking online and trying to find like websites, like places that don't have like defined, you know, it has to be coming from a traditional publisher. Um, but, like you can get reviewed. I've seen book reviews in like, like I, I know I used the, the gluten-free celiac example from a cookbook earlier. Like there was, I, I believe I had like a book review in like a gluten-free intolerance groups newsletter. So there's other kinds of opportunities like that and where it wouldn't matter if you're traditionally published or self-published. Yeah. Uh, so I would just look for other avenues, but those tr trades like the Publishers Weekly, the Library Journal, um, in general, it's more the traditionally published books and it's all done by the publisher. Yeah. Um, what do you think about comparing and despairing? And then we're going to move over to Christian. And here's what I mean. I'm just going to use a person, really, really personal example. It's from my heart to everybody. Sometimes I'll go onto Amazon and I'll be like, 
I have 91 reviews and that person has 7,123,000. You know, <laughs> I'm just sitting there going, oh, you know, and you feel your heart kind of sinks. Like, how do I go from A to Z with, from 91 to 7,100? 7, 7, I'll be like, I'm going to look a little closer. I'm like, okay, that book's been out for like 12 years. We're going to give ourselves a little heartbreak here and a head break and a big hug and all this stuff. But, but we feel that way as authors, don't we, Jennifer Vaughn? And others listening, you know, we feel sometimes like we are not successful and um how do we how do you have any advice for that because it's a huge part of the marketing and pr and we're trying so hard and you're like oh i just need to like crack this code what is it um do you have any advice there yeah i guess my advice would be a just you know not to give up like you know it it might it's going to be really hard but just like keep going um and you know as we talked about a lot on the call like you know once the book's out like you know, as long as your topic's evergreen, like, you know, con- you know, continuing to work on it, um, you know, over time, because to your, you know, what you were saying about the reviews and how somebody might have tons and tons of reviews, but maybe the book's been out for 15 years, <laughs> um, yeah. as opposed to your book that's been out for six months. So, um, you know, just kind of like seeing it as like a longer term project, um, and, you know, continuing to to develop and then you know developing the platform like continuing to develop your author platform and you know organically you can get more sales that way too like if your if your coaching business takes off and you have all you know that kind of thing or if you all of a sudden have way more instagram followers you know it's going to organically be lend itself for a promotional platform that's a really good point that's that's kind of exactly what's happened to me with the change guidebook my coaching business soared it's like, whoa, where's that coming from? And it's like, that's coming from the book. So it's a really interesting thing that happens. It's It sometimes can be something that is not what you've planned for or what you've expected, and it just happens. And it can be even better than what you thought was going to happen. So it's it's a very it's a very cool process. I love your never, I have a thing in front of me. It says never, ever, ever give up ever, never, ever. <laughs> it's right in front of me all the time. And, um, and along with remember your value from Sophia Nelson. Um, but yeah, the huge point there. Cause like, just as you give up, you never know what's going to happen next. So, and I know, I know a lot of you out there are tired also because you've got like a full-time job, something else happening in the background. And then you've got this book project going on and you feel like you want to dedicate all your energy to this book, but you know, you've got a full-time job and have bills to pay and responsibilities and all this stuff. What do you say uh, to that? You know, where you've got multiple things going on and a book. Um, I guess, no, (laughs) no, I mean, that's a really good point. Um, I mean, I, I would try to carve out, you know, time that if you have a full-time job, maybe you can find like, like devote your Sunday or, um, find like a couple, like break it down into more manageable things where it's like, okay, you, you know, this week I'm going to work on um, sending out books to reviewers or um, next week I'm going to work on outreach to organizations or that kind of thing. So kind of like breaking it into sm- smaller projects and then just maybe allotting like one day a week to work on it or like maybe like two nights a week or, you know, just kind of, or maybe you really, you know, you're a morning person and you want to have your coffee and spend a couple hours every morning writing or just make like a schedule where you're, you know, you feel like you're working towards your goals, but you can still obviously maintain your responsibilities. All right. Any questions for Lindsay? Any last, uh, type them on in. Lindsay, any, anything we missed? (laughs) No, um, you know, thank you for having me. It was great 
having the conversation with you. No, oh, it was so fun having you. Are you going to stick around? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stick around. It'd be, it'd be awesome. Um, okay. We're going to move over to Christian. Christian, I'm going to read this about you. Okay. Um, Christian, just a little side note to Christian. The very first time I emailed Christian, I spelled his name wrong. Thank you for forgiving me. <laughs> like, well, oh, what no, happens often, <laughs> what happens often, and you spoke to her earlier, is Christine B. There's Christian B. We often get each other's emails. So yeah. it's, oh, it's, nice. I don't think I full on called you Christina, but <laughs> I, I was like, oh, crap, I just did that. Oh, yeah. Anyway, but thank you for being forgiving and having a good sense of humor because I'm like, not cool. Um, okay. So Christian has been in the publishing industry for over 15 years. I'm just going to full on read this. Having started in, I can never say this word right, subsidiary rights management and That's working it. his way up to his current position as vice president. You oversee day-to-day -day operations at HCI, including acquisitions, sales and marketing and management. And you live in South Carolina with your wife and three sons. I didn't, I, I don't know. You have, we have, you have sons. I thought you had girls in there. No. no. And so you, you apologize for your dogs a minute ago. I had to mute myself and apologize for my 14 year old who uh, <laughs> barged in on me. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, three boys, three 14, boys. Okay. 14, 11, and eight. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, good luck in the college. Yeah. <laughs> 21, 23, 25, and 27 right now. And one of them just finished today with his master's degree. Wow. And it's like amazing. So, it's two done now. It's like, congratulations. Oh, right. Yeah, big, big, huge cheers in this house today. So, all right, here we go. The business of books. We've okay. talked a lot about the business of books already, but we've got more to learn. And there's always something to learn in the publishing industry. Um, what would you like to start out with? What is the book business, Christian? <laughs> well, I think broadly, the book business is is creating content, um, selling it at a commercial level. Um, what we do, we sell it internationally. Um, but on a more granular level, there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes. Maybe some of the people here know this, maybe not, but you know, there's, there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes than just developing a book, printing it and sending it out to the accounts. Um, we live in a very digital environment. We sell in a very digital environment. So in addition to the editorial development of the book, the printing, the manufacturing, there's, there's metadata management. Um, that's how your book is actually um, put out there for sale um, on Amazon, on all the on all the uh, other retailers, both online and in store. That's it's all done digitally nowadays. So there's there's work that goes behind the scenes with that. Yeah. Um, lately, printing's been a nightmare as far as um, working that in. So you know, there's a lot that really goes on the scene behind the scenes with book business accounting. There's you know, a little tidbit that maybe people know, maybe don't. It's the worst word in publishing sales, returns. Oh, yeah. um, one thing I learned that was a shock to me coming into the business, if we sell a book to Amazon, if we sell a book to Barnes & Noble or somewhere, and that book doesn't sell to the consumer, guess what? They send it back to us. Um so there's a whole lot of accounting involved, reconciling outgoing sales versus the incoming returns. So, um, so yeah, there's there's you know the book business is a lot more than just someone writing a book, printing it, and and then sending it out for sale. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there 
is there a really big difference in the business of books between like self-publishing, hybrid publishing, and traditionally published? And can you like explain to our, our listeners and what and viewers what each of those things really actually is? Sure. Um, so, you know, I think the I think the biggest difference between traditional publishing and self-publishing boils down to boils down to a couple things. First is responsibility. Second is money or royalties. Um, and what I mean by that is in a traditional publishing, the responsibility and someone typed this question in the responsibility does lie more on the publisher. We, we do pay for most of the marketing. We do pay for the production. We do pay for all that as such, we pay, you know, a smaller royalty and keep the larger share of the royalty. In a self-publishing arrangement, though, all those responsibilities are on the author. So they pay for the manufacturing, they pay for the marketing, uh, but they take a larger share of the royalty. Um, the, the overall outcome of each, though, can vary based on who you're self-publishing with. Um, there's a couple main, the, the, the biggest self-publishers are Amazon and Ingram. Ingram Spark. Um, Ingram Spark is a more quote unquote traditional self-publishing outlet versus Amazon, who is a who is a straight sole self-publishing only. You only sell on Amazon. That's the only place you can get the book. Whereas with Ingram, traditional accounts like Barnes and Noble, uh, other accounts, they can get the book. It's a little harder to because of the, how the network works. Um, but, but they can get the books into those accounts. And that's one service that I think that we really can do as a traditional publisher that is harder for a self-publisher is get distribution in accounts other than Amazon. <clears throat> um, additionally, I think traditional publishing offers, offers uh, your favorite word, subsidiary options, <laughs> which means can, you know <clears throat> the most common one alternative formats, um, audio, um, foreign translations, excuse me, <clears throat> um, foreign English. There are a lot of uh, English speaking nations, you know, India, Australia, where we'll license books to be published with publishers in those countries. We export as well. You know, I don't think export is really an option with self-publishing. Um, that's an expensive uh, undertaking, which is why sometimes we license and then they print and sell there. So, you know, I think there's a lot more that can be um, done with traditional publishing than with self-publishing, but, you know, it does boil back to, you know, the risk reward as far as how much do you want to undertake as the author um, versus how much money you have to spend to do it and how much money you expect to make in doing it. If yeah. that all makes sense. Yeah, a book can be like owning like a racehorse in a way. <laughs> I always think of that. Sure. <laughs> and then, fine. and then making it. I mentioned one other thing too. There's also hybrid publishing companies out oh, there yeah. that that you know are essentially uh, you know again not being a self publisher. You know, I'm I'm going off what I hear. Um, they're basically self publishers with a la carte type services meaning you can pay for editorial support or you can pay for marketing support that the publisher does instead of 
either you doing it yourself or paying someone, you know, so they're involved, but you're still paying for it. Yeah. So you're not totally on your own in that way. You kind of got right. a little bit of both. Okay. Yeah. Which might be a good option for people sometimes. I don't know. Sure. Um, just depends. It <laughs> depends on your skill set, I guess, because there's, we talked earlier, there's so much involved with putting together books. You actually have a question here um, for acquisition purposes, Christian, what are you looking for right now? Anything in particular that you'd love to work with? So, you know, specifically for HCI, um, our, our company motto is we're a life issues publisher. So we look for books that can help people somehow, some way. Um, you know, I think we'll probably touch on this a little bit. And I touched on it earlier. The biggest challenge that we uh, are faced with is, is discoverability is the platform, you know, that there is so much out there, not even just in book form. You got to remember we're competing with the internet as a nonfiction publisher. Um, so, you know, we're looking for content that can help someone, but then we're looking for people, authors that have means of getting that message out there as well. Like Elizabeth does, like Elizabeth is a, is a publisher's dream. Like she is still hustling now a year or whatever we are past the book's release date. So, you know, you look, content is always going to be important, but you also need people that are, you know, and, and you guys touched on this in the marketing, the authors that are willing to also roll up their sleeves and, and utilize whatever they can to leverage and, and just visibility for the book. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I think one of my goals, my big goals was like, I don't want to just write one more book. I want to do another one. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I, I was really big in my heart. Like, I really want this to be successful because I think when you find a crew like you guys, you feel so blessed instead of stressed. Just like, oh, there's a team that's 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 got me, and it's the coolest feeling in the world. I just, I, I feel so blessed to have. Every day, I tell my husband, I'm like, I'm so blessed to have them. I can't even tell you. My dream since I was a little kid in, in kindergarten was to write books, and like, I actually get to do this. It's the coolest thing in the world. So, I always say, don't give up on your dreams and do the hustle, but you got to do the work, don't you? There is work involved. You cannot sit around in anything and just wish for it and want to be like somebody else and oh look at them and you got to really put in the work most definitely yeah yeah you guys are working <laughs> hard to help us be successful so it's 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 amazing jennifer did that answer your question um and if it didn't just type more in okay um what are the latest developments in the book business so um you know i think i think something that all publishers are dealing with um and actually just probably all businesses for that matter and all individuals is, is we are recovering from the pandemic, um, both good and bad. So from our end, there, there actually was some good that came out of it. Um, you know, 2020, beginning of 2020, um, sales were slow when everything was shutting down. And there was a point in time where Amazon actually even just stopped buying books. They were, they were prioritizing medical supplies, essentials, things of that nature. But once that cleared out, people were buying books because they were staying home. And that really ramped up in 2021 um, when people were still having to stay home. They were buying books. Um, they were buying books because they were doing projects at home. They were doing book reading books because they had nothing else to do. So that part was great. Um, conversely, and a lot of companies are having this issues, a lot of issues came out of the pandemic. There's a, there's a paper shortage going on right now. So when we're 
printing books now, it's it's challenging. We have to print far out in advance, schedule it far out in advance, which makes planning uh, on our end difficult because we may not know exactly, you know, yet how a book is is trending. Um, labor shortages are still an issue. Um, and then in 2022, I think as as the world has really opened back up, sales have have decreased a little bit. And that's that is across the board. That is not just with HDI. So, you know, the latest, you know, and again, this is this is likely for everyone. <laughs> We're yeah. still dealing with this with, with the pandemic. Um, but in a lot of ways, I think it's good. It's it's taught us to be adaptable. Um and so we're just we're we're going through with it as best we can. Yep. Um, is there a, a is there a format that's more popular than another? Like, is ebook more popular than audiobook, which is more popular than a printed book, or or is it all equal? Or are you seeing any kind of trends there? Sure. No. I mean, so print still is king. Yeah. Um, there have been there have been waves, and there is currently a wave. There was a point in time when ebooks first came out that everyone was saying ebooks are going to take over. There will be no more printed books, but that subsided. And I mean, and ebooks are popular, and there are a lot of people that that swear by ebooks, but print still rules. Yeah. Audio is currently the hot trend. Um, audio has really exploded, but it's still, you know, it's still print. What is fun and interesting is some of the technology that is out there now, um, predominantly with Amazon, um, who now owns Audible. Um, but but you can take an audiobook, for example, and if you own the ebook, you can be, you know, sitting on a train reading your audiobook and then get in your car and pick up where you left off in the ebook with the audiobook. So there's really just some neat technology that's out there right now. Um, but I think I think people still like the feel of a printed book. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe when my eight year old becomes an adult and he's been doing tablets at school, that may change. But but for now, print print still king. Is it is paperback more popular than hardback or hardback more like what what t explain the difference between having a paperback book and a hard or hardcover? Sure. Um, so for us, most of what we do is paperback. We want our books to, you know, and, and one of the main reasons behind that is cost. A hardback book costs more to produce, therefore it's going to cost more to, to retail. And we want our books to be accessible, as accessible to people. We, want, we don't want it to be something where people have to think about if they can really afford this book. We want it to be just, I, I want that book, you know, cost shouldn't be a factor. Typically, you do see hardbacks in certain format or, excuse me, genres, um, celebrity memoirs, often hardback, and then you'll see them come out with a paperback, you know, as a second cycle. Uh, cookbooks are often hardbacks, just durability in terms of, you know, doing recipes in the kitchen, you want to stand it upright, uh, and and same with children's books, durability. So there are some factors involved in, in the format you choose, but... Uh, more or less as a general rule paperback is is more popular in, in general nonfiction, and i think as a result of that is the dominant is the is the most popular uh format 
Can you elaborate on audiobook a little bit? That was probably some of the most fun I've ever had <laughs> recording an audiobook. What a blast. Um, not everybody gets to do that though, right? Like some, it's a, it's a, kind of what I heard was it was, it was pretty cool to be an author and be able to do your own audiobook. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, while, so audiobooks being made is a growing um, percentage of the books that we publish being made into audio is pretty high. Um, but the author being able to do the read is uh, is not a given. Um, it's hard, as you can probably attest to. You're, you're yeah. sitting in a room for 15 hours, 20 hours, whatever it boils down to. Um, you know, you have these high-powered microphones that hear every sound your your body may make, or you know, anything like that. You have to stop. Um, your stomach growls. It's like, wait, why are you gonna hear that? But how we do it is, we work with companies, and and for every minute that you're in that studio, it costs money. Yeah. So if they don't feel that they can be as efficient as possible in in that process, that's why they tend to use professional narrators, who that is their job. They they can do it. They can do it quickly and therefore save a little bit of money. They know it's going to sound good. But oftentimes it boils down to the decision of can this book be read by anyone and, and be enjoyed at the same level or does it need to come from that person's voice? Yeah. Good Good point. All right. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, why do some books, I think we covered this, but I'm just going to keep with the questions people have asked. Why do some books sell easily and others don't? I wish I, had, I wish I had that answer. If we, if we had that answer, they'd all sell. Um, I, I, I'm going to use this phrase. I've already used it probably three or four times. It, it's discoverability. Uh, this stat is unverified. I saw it on most, on a couple different sites though. So it's a ballpark in 2021. There were 2 million new ISBNs, meaning, you know, book titles that came out. So if you, you know, every year with 2 million books are coming out, it's a lot of books. Wow. So it, you know, how does someone come to an Amazon, come to a Barnes and Noble and find that book? So that's, that's, I mean, that's, it boils down to how do you do that? More work to do. <laughs> <laughs> And then that does, and I didn't chime in, but that does boil down to social media. I mean, not that it's a guarantee, but it, it, it's, it yeah. is, uh, it is an option. It boils down to your question about speaking. No, it's, you know, it's not mandatory, but if you can do it, you should, um, just because that's another option. You never know who is listening. It also harkens back to what I told you about the one by one, but you never know who might ultimately see that post, hear that talk, and therefore share the word. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Um, how do you decide to take on an author in a book? Yeah. Um, and we did touch on that too. Two things. Content. Content is still king. You know, unfortunately, there are some books out there that probably sell with bad content, celebrity books, things like that. But you know, my experience is we've never, we've never sold a bad book. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and then platform discoverability, you know, what does the author offer in addition to what we can try and do that, that can help sell the book. Okay. Um, 
how important is it to think outside the box in the book industry? I know we're you're you're outside the box thinker. I've I've come to you with different things, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> and we figure it out and stuff. But that's cool. Well, I think that, I mean, I think with any business, you have to think outside the box. But the one of the unfortunate things with the book business is, outside of Amazon, the the places where you can sell books are shrinking. You know, 15, 20 years ago, there was Barnes and Noble, there was Borders, there was Books a Million, there was Walden Books, there was a lot more bookstore outlets. Nowadays, there's Barnes and Noble and there's Books a Million, but even Books a Million is a is a shell of what they once were in terms of number of stores. And there are indies. I mean, and 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 the good news of the last few year or two is actually more indies have opened up. Um and there are some some of the uh, there are some distribution means now that assist with independent bookstores that can make them competitive with, say, Amazon, things like that. So um, yeah, I, I've had a blast locally. I, locally, with uh, Lindsay, chime in about Sherman's. I mean, that has been fun, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Elizabeth's had a Sherman's main, uh, coastal main bookstore, uh, like a tour, basically they've had her at every, they're having her at every location. It's been so much fun. Yeah. That would be a piece of advice that I would give to any prospective author out there is to get to know the bookstores in your town, whether they are Indies, um, because Indies often have cult followings, but even if it's a big store like Barnes and Noble, um, Barnes and Noble was sold within the last three years and the new ownership group uh, has changed how they buy books and they put more of an onus of the book buying used to happen via New York, via corporate. Um, but they've changed their philosophy and they're making store managers, giving them a lot more say in the books that they're carrying in that store, which if you think about it, makes a whole lot of sense. A bookstore in Maine, for example, in winter is probably not going to carry a book about beaches and things that, you know, a Barnes and Noble in Key West in December might carry. You know, there's a lot, you know, different preferences and, and different things like that. So it makes a lot of sense. But make friends with the bookstores because they carry they can have some influence. Yeah, been, that's been so much fun. Yeah, Thank you yeah. for helping. <laughs> like yeah. And it's great too, because now, you know, Elizabeth's new book is coming out. I'm, I can't remember if you said it was coming out next year or the year after, but, you know, we, we can go back to them and, you know, they already know her. They had, we can kind of reinvent the tour with the new book, that kind of thing. You have more possibilities once you develop these relationships. My job used to be the, before when I was a kid, was I was a Walmart door greeter. I mean, for us, hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Author College. And it kind of reminds me of that. Sometimes they put me right by the door. I'm like, hey. <laughs> I've, been asked, I've been asked some of the most interesting questions. Do you carry this? I'm like, <laughs> you know, how do you go? And so it's a little bit of customer service slash book signing, but it's it's a lot of fun. You get to know people and you know the staff and you keep in touch and all that stuff, but it's it's pretty fun. So I think that's, that's great advice, Christian, to get to know your local bookstore. Cause it's, it's great fun. Um, 
All right, talk. We've got a couple more minutes. Christian, can you stay a little bit longer? Or? Yeah, I was late, so I, I'm here as long as you need me. <laughs> Good with that. If you type in questions, if you need to go or whatever, we'll ask them, and you can listen to the replay. Um, when you print a book, um, the the author sort of gasps, like, "How many are you printing? And what are we going to sell? And you know, there's this process of of you know how well you think the book's going to do. What do you usually print? And like, what does that mean exactly when you say you're going to print this many? Where does that? Where do they go? <laughs> you know, that kind sure. of thing. Sure. So there's a lot of factors that are that are involved in that, and a lot of it is speculative. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's not an exact science, but you 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 look at, you know, that Amazon pre-sale number. You you see. You know, and, and we have some like barometers that we can kind of like look one month out, two months out or a week out and, and what's good, what's not good. Yeah. And then you look at marketing plans, what what the author has planned and what, you know, we've I've not been in the business, but we've been in this business for 45 years, I believe. So we have a decent sense of what moves the needle, what doesn't move the needle, though there are things that used to move the needle that don't and vice versa. Um, so there's always surprises out there, but you make an estimate based off and then, and sorry, and, and taking it one step further, the sales process starts and you touched on this earlier with PR, the sales process starts six months out in advance of a book. So okay. we start getting information uh, from our accounts as to how they think the book's going to perform in their, um, in their stores. So we'll get estimates from them as well. That's the key fee thing that we look at is, is the estimates from them. We see what, um, what those come in at. We see what the pre-sales are. We see what the marketing plan is. If the author has written a book before, we look at history of that yeah. and then we make a best guess. We, we make, we, we print a number that can fill all of those accounts and store estimates usually include, you know, two months worth of, of projected inventory. And then we'll print extra to keep inventory beyond that, usually in the amount of whatever it would take to turn books around. Yeah. If that makes sense. And, and right now the, the average turnaround time for printing books is about three months. Wow. And that really can that's not, that's, that's traditional offset printing. So a thousand books to and up takes three months. There's yeah. print on demand, which is smaller quantities, which you can turn around faster. Um, but it's more expensive. So do you take the, the books from the inventory and supply them to Amazon or is Amazon printing on demand or how? No. No. Okay. So we print, we print the books. So we pay for the printings. We hold them in our warehouse. We get orders from Amazon, from Barnes and Noble. We ship to them. They hold them. They have agreements with us of when they pay for those. But then if they don't sell, they send them back and the credits get issued. So that's where that accounting comes in. Okay. Um, but so we own the inventory until we ship it to them and then they own the inventory, but they can return the inventory. Got it. Okay. Did not know that. Yeah, that's, that's that doesn't the seem worst right. worst word in publishing. Yeah, and that doesn't necessarily mean the inventory is in the store either, right? Could it be 
like, does it mean it could be in there? Like you couldn't go into the store and like sign all the books so they can't return them or something. Cor- like correct. So, <laughs> well, it depends on the, yeah. depends on the, um, the account. Yeah. So like Barnes and Noble has a distribution center. Um, we have distributors that sell to independent bookstores. So, you know, those books can, yeah, just be, there's definitely would be a point in time where those books would be sitting in yet another warehouse. Got it. All right. Is there a, talk about a book that's flying off the shelves right now. And (laughs) if you can. Oh, you want me to list a specific book? Yeah. I don't think it's fun to, can you, or you don't have to, you can take a pass on that. Kind of fun I to mean, talk flying about off the flying yeah, off the I'm shelf right. may be a strong word. Um, yeah. We have a book called Anxiety Audit out right now that's doing quite well. Actually, um, Oprah Daily just did a little excerpt uh, awesome. that went live. Was that yesterday, Lindsay, or the day before? Yeah, yesterday. Um, and I mean, obviously, anxiety is is such a roof. pressing <laughs> issue at the moment. So um, it's doing very well for us. So that's Good. one that's. To keep an eye on. Yeah. Any other ones? I love talking. I love talking about other authors and books that you guys have published and things like that. So Sophia's books. I know, you know, Sophia, they, they continue to do well. Um, and again, she, she has that platform, you know, she's, it, it's, it'd be awesome if we all could, you know, be a, you know, a media pundit or someone that's in the news often. And you can get that little piece on TV where your book cover gets shown up from time to time. Uh, but her books continue to do well for us. Um, you just typed in as you were talking. I was just looking at that for my daughter, the anxiety audit book. So, yeah. <laughs> well, so n- I didn't know this was turning into a selling uh, opportunity, no. but she has another book that is specific uh, for kids. It's called Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents. Um, uh-huh. So that might be one to check out, too. Going back to something you said, though, and, or we talked about, though, that's a case, her first book. Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents. She was a first-time author. Um, she she co-wrote it with another, someone who had written books before, but she was out there speaking, and the book just gained traction and gained traction, and like she continued to build her platform. And I think it's a it's a two-way street, like Lindsay touched on. You can use the book to gain opportunities, whether it be speaking or otherwise, but then use those speaking or other opportunities to promote the book. So. And it's just, it's a marathon. The other, you know, the book I think came out in, I want to say 2014. Um, the first one, Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents. But it just, it still sells as much this year as it did that year. And just every year, it's consistency. And those are the books as a publisher I would much rather have. Yeah. Well, you just books, more. <laughs> what's that? She just typed in on buying those. So I just sold a few more. <laughs> Good job. Awesome. We sold a before Christian got here. We sold a memoir earlier too. What was it called? Get wasted. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to leave them. My job's done. I've sold. I've sold three books. That's awesome. No, seriously, yeah. She wrote. I. She has major, major anxiety allergies. Um, she said she just bought them both. So that's awesome. Um, to the user typing in, is that food allergies? Because I, you know, me, I have life threatening food allergies. So, um, yeah. That I'll look at those too because I have. I always have anxiety with food allergies. So I'll look both the books too. You might have sold four by the night. <laughs> anyway. All right. Um, okay. Let's get just a couple more questions. Um, 
tell what is success with a book really? Is it a thousand copies sold? Is it a smile on her face? Is it a smile on the reader's face? Is it 10,000 copies? Is it flying off? What, I mean, what is like author success? Um, so I think that starts with your expectations. Mm. Um, and I'm going to provide yet another sobering stat of the difficult business that I'm in. In April, I'm sorry, I have to read it. In April of 2021, there was an article published in the New York Times of all the books published in 2020, and I do believe this factors in fiction and nonfiction, 98% of them sold less than 5,000 copies. Ouch, wait a minute, what? In 2020, according to the New York Times, 98% of all the books published sold less than 5,000 copies. No. Oh, and I mean, I makes me almost cry. Well, it, <laughs> it's it's challenging, and it is. And I think you know, and I did. I don't know if I touched on this. Our industry, the nonfiction kind of broadly, is especially challenging. Um, we're competing against the internet. Someone yeah. can just type into Google anxiety issues. Why do they need to buy a book? Now, what I think we offer is. Um, tr- a level of trust maybe, or like that, that, you know, the author of that book is a PhD who, do, who knows what article you're reading, what that, where that advice is coming from, you know, but, but it is the reality in which we live that you can type in whatever you want and, and find something on it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whereas 20 years ago, people used to go to a bookstore or maybe 25 years ago maybe longer, but, um, you know, people used to go to bookstores to get that information and buy it from books. And that, so it's, you know, we're not only are we competing with other books, but we're competing with websites and news programs and, you know, and then that's what, why Lindsay's job is so difficult because we all want to be on Oprah or featured in time magazine, you know, whatever it may be, but so do every other publisher, every other book, every other content creator, Instagram, like we're all competing for the same space. So it's really challenging. Yeah. Not to be a Debbie Downer though. No, you know, I think, well, somebody just said that the internet is information books are transformative, much more influential. So I agree with you. And, you know, I think with platforms like best ever you, while we might have content like that, one of our biggest things, and I said this from the beginning when I created best ever you was it's always going to point back to that expert and um, always going back to the expert and with promotion about their book. Like if you look at our magazine, it's filled with here's the article, but here's the author in their book. So it's really important to me that people go and track down those authors and buy their books and so forth, because there's so much more information in the book than just the article or whatever. Um, but I love what they just typed. The internet is information. Books are transformative, much more influential. That's cool. And and then when you take it another step and you actually get to talk to the author or hear a podcast or see them on video or talk about their book or whatever, it's pretty cool too. So I, I don't know. I just, there's lots of opportunities for information, but yeah, you, I, I didn't understand what you meant when you were saying we're competing against the internet. And now I get what you mean better when you said that. Right. That, well, because it isn't, it's, 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 you know, and I'm, I guess I'm being a little contradictory here. I, on, on the one hand, I'm telling you the internet's bad for information, but you know, you're competing against social media. I think yeah. as a, as a society, we live in a very, we're, we're very much now in the instant gratification mode. 
Whereas I don't want to take the time to read a 200 page book. I just want to watch an Instagram reel. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I think that has an effect too. Um, Two more questions. If my book, if my book is good, why doesn't it just sell? (laughs) Again, I wish I, (laughs) I wish I had, I wish I had these answers. Um, You know, the unfortunate reality is a lot of good books don't sell and it just, it keeps going back to that, that word. How do, how do we get it discovered? Good is important, but it's got to get found. Yeah. Um, With that said, um, just one more question for you too, and then we can kind of wind down here. What are some tips and tricks that you would say to build your audience? Do you have any ideas there? Uh, Anything I think we, tu- we touched we touched on a little bit um, in the marketing. One, don't don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, if you if you're a social media you know novice, ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for favors. Um, you know, if you have people that have influence somewhere, you have to ask for help. You you know this you have to treat you have to treat the book as if it's your baby and you'll do anything for it because the reality of the business is it's an uphill climb. Um, so really just do anything you can to, to get it out there, to get exposure for it and don't be afraid to put in the work. Yeah. All right. Love that. Anything else before we go? This has been a, a wonderful conversation i appreciate everybody's time and energy all the people listening you guys have typed in some marvelous comments is there anything that we didn't ask you that you want to add um i don't think so no i mean i appreciate you having me and um sorry for being late and oh, no. um, any other books you want to plug before we go <laughs> no i mean seriously we sold a few last time <laughs> Everybody, buy the change guy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that, I thought that was yeah, obvious. No, yeah, you guys yeah. didn't cover that in the first uh, hour that yeah, before I was on. No, but <laughs> that wasn't the point of this at all. Um, but um, no, I love. I love. That's one thing too. You guys all have a good sense of humor, so it's it's fun to to hang out. But yeah, anything else? I'm just gonna give it a moment here to everybody listening. Is there anything you want to type in? Anything we didn't ask? Just give it a second or two, Lindsay. Think about anything you didn't cover or anything. No, I, I feel like we covered, we really covered everything. Okay. Thank you again for having me as well. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate everybody. Okay. We're going to, oh, we got some. I, I bought all of yours, Elizabeth. We sold more books. Okay, don't, don't turn it off. Let's, let's keep this going. Have a great night. Let's just stay on here for a while. No, just, <laughs> all, right. all right, everybody. Thank you all for being here. Thank you to Christine. Thank you to Christian. Um, everybody says that was exceptional. Loved it. Good. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, everybody, for your time and energy. And um, hopefully we can do more of these. It's, it's pretty fun to kind of take take the book business and and talk about it because there's a lot more. I, I, I promised I'd have an editing one. <laughs> so bring some editors on. But if you have ideas for other top, uh, roundtables, let me know. Um, type it into the chat. Everybody's saying thank you. And we're just going to go ahead and, and close off. So, all right, Christian, Lindsay, thank you very much. And we're going to end now. All right, all right. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.